I am the sum of all my past experiences. So everything that happened to me made me who I am today. You know, and I can go back and like, oh, I should have done this or I should have done that. But if I did that, I wouldn't be sitting here today. Since I am the sum of all my past experiences, it is my job to create new experiences to make me a better person. I am responsible for me. No one else is. No one's going to change me. It is my job to change me. And I need to look at my life and figure out who I want to be. That's a lot of power. That's a lot of power. This podcast is brought to you by Insanity. Doing the same things and expecting different results. You are listening to episode one. What is the Insanity Project? Welcome to the Insanity Project. I am your host. My name is Brent and I am a recovering drug addict. Actually, I'm a recovering addict. I am addicted to everything. Addiction creeped into every nook and cranny of my life. It was everywhere. It was uh, drugs that brought me down and made me realize that maybe, just maybe, I may have had a problem and it wasn't just everyone else trying to mess with me all the time. Then it might have been just me. I got clean in 1991 and have stayed clean this whole time, which is a miracle in itself. So why the Insanity Project? What is the Insanity Project? As time went on, I realized that anonymity wasn't really a thing anymore for me. It didn't matter. The more I changed from who I was to who I am, I started talking about my previous life to people who may not have ever heard of this life and may not understand it. And uh, we call those people normies. They would look at me like I was crazy and they had no idea who that person was because the person standing in front of them showed no signs of that person. I believe that person was always underneath, is always there. It just was not noticeable anymore because of the actions that I took. I believe that my disease is always with me. Call it my lizard brain, which I think is a very common term. I just don't choose to act on it anymore. So what do I want to accomplish with this podcast? In telling my stories, people would always tell me, you should write a book. And I'm like, eh, I don't really want to write a book. And does anybody really care about you know, my life. Who cares, right? Well, actually, over 10 years ago, I got married to a woman who was not a drug addict. And when I would tell my stories, at that time, I had over 20 years clean. But when I would tell those stories to her, she looked at me with shock, horror, and astonishment. Her favorite line was, I have no idea why you are still alive. And she was the one that pushed me. She kept telling me from almost day one, you should write a book. And I'm constantly telling her new stories that she's like, I have never heard that one before. It's not something I talk about a lot, but she thinks that I should write a book. 
I don't want to write a book. I think I want to do this instead. And so this is where we are. I want to tell my stories. In the end, even though they're filled with insanity and craziness and sometimes death and despair, in the end, there is always a glimmer of hope and recovery behind it. Even in the using days, it gave me the tools that I need for recovery in the future. I know that only because looking back on it, I realized that everything was instrumental into getting me here. My sponsor said, I am the sum of all my past experiences. And if I wanted to create a better sum, I had to create better experiences. In essence, I had the ability to change who I was. It's up to me to decide who that person is. Holy crap. You know, when you look at it like that, and uh, when, when he talked about it like that, I had no idea that was even possible, that I could change my life. I could change who I am because I am the only one that can change me. It's up to me to decide who I want to be. And through many years of recovery and writing and steps, I did all 12 steps several times and practicing them that I can change who I am. I don't have to be that person that walked in to the rooms 30 plus years ago. That's a lot of power. You know, that that's mind boggling that I can do that. And that was my mission because I did not like the person I was. I felt suicidal. I felt despair. I was lonely. I constantly made bad decisions based on addiction. I was tired. You know, all the cliches that, you know, I'm not sure if you know them or not, but uh, the old cliche of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired was true. It's the reason there's a cliche. I was beat down by the time I was 30 years old. I was done. I thought about suicide a lot. I did not want to do this life anymore. I felt like life handed me a really bad deal. And I was just using drugs, sex, anything I could do to make the pain go away for just a short amount of time. But in the end, I was always in a bunch of pain. That's no way to go through life. That's not fun. I don't want to do that. So here I am. 30 years later. You know what? Life was pretty damn good. It didn't take long for my life to change. I just had to do the footwork to do it. It took a lot of work. It still does. It's an ongoing issue with my disease. 
but I believe I'm winning. <laughs> you know, I, I, I like to think that my disease is always in the back of my brain doing push-ups, waiting for me, you know, for that one moment when I'm down and out, it's going to like blast through the door and like, all right, dude, this is it. Let's go score some Coke. Let's go get a bottle of booze and let's go in a hotel room and, you know, find some girl, you know, cause that, those, those were the things that I loved the most, you know, back in the day, that was it. You know, I'll cheat on my wife. Sure. Why not? What the hell? Yeah. That doesn't sound like fun. So I have lots of stories. The good part is, is that I want to tell my stories in recovery. Also, it's not all death and despair. There have been great triumphs. All right. So here we go. So here's, okay, here's a good story. It's one of my wife's favorites. And, and, uh, you know, I laugh about this story now. It, it sounds kind of horrible if I tell it, but through the years, it has become an, a very important story in my recovery. And I think it's just hysterical at the same time, which you may or may think is just sad to begin with. But anyway, I was eight years old. It was the 60s. I grew up in a middle-class family with a mom and a dad and a little sister. My mother was a high-functioning alcoholic. My dad was an enabler. You put those two together, and you have quite an interesting combination. Anyway, I'm eight years old. This is the first thing I remember in the beginning of my disease. It, it all stemmed, I believe, from this moment. It was my job to make my mother drinks every single night. So I had to learn how to make them. She taught me how to make them so that I could be a personal bartender slash, you know, cocktail server. She loved scotch and water, mostly scotch with just a spritz of water on the rocks. And that was my job every night. Yeah. Good job. You know, and as a kid, you just want to please your parents and you think you're doing something good. And, you know, it's the 60s. There's a lot of alcohol everywhere. It, or, you know, I don't think it's really changed, but uh, it just felt like during the 60s, people drank and smoked a lot. It's like I keep watching when I watch Mad Men, <laughs> I see my life felt flash before my eyes in the period of the 60s. So anyway, it was my job to make her drinks. And I felt very proud of that, that I knew how to make her drinks. You know, she thought I was a great kid because I knew how to make her drinks. Every now and then I would ask, like, oh, what does it taste like? Because you want to see what it tastes like. And she decided, being a great parent, that she would teach me something about the horrors and atrocities of alcohol and cigarettes. It was her job to, to teach me those things. So she decided, hey... Let's give you a few sips of my drink. I'm eight years old. Hell, while we're at it, let's light up a smoke. Let's have you take a few drags off of that because it all looks like fun, right? Smoking and drinking looks like a lot of fun because it does. I don't know if that's just me because I was born with a lizard brain, but smoking and drinking look like a lot of fun. And so she just, she gave me some sips of her drink. I'm drinking the drink. I don't remember the drinking feeling so much, but I remember the smoking feeling. 
I remember the nicotine hitting me and I felt lightheaded in the smoke and in my lungs. And I remember all of this. I'm in my pajamas. We're on the couch in the living room. I'm sitting on my mom's lap and she's uh, giving me sips of her drink. I don't remember what it tastes like. I mean, I'm not a big Scotch fan anyway, so I can only imagine that it tasted like crap. (laughs) But who knows? You know, I don't remember that part. All I remember is the smoking part and the feeling in, you know, I was lightheaded and the the feeling in my lungs because she made me inhale, not just puff on it. And I think that's what I started to do. And she made me inhale it like I had to understand that concept of breathing in smoke. Ah, oh, I got lightheaded. And then, then I got some nausea, which I believe is all from the cigarette. So I'm drinking drinks, smoking cigarettes, and then I feel like I'm going to puke. So I start wobbling to the bathroom, which is a little ways away. And my mom is like laughing. She thinks she's like, oh, my God, that's hysterical. It's like, you know, when you, I don't know, you know, like I'm some experiment. I remember not puking. It just the feeling of nausea was was enough because I didn't know what was going on. And she thought it was hysterical. And in the end, she's like, see, do not smoke and drink. It is bad for you. Sure, I do it, but you should not be doing this. And in the end, we do what we do, right? And so my parents smoke. Both of them smoked. This is the 60s. My mom smoked, God, I think it was like two packs a day of Tarrington's. And in the end, I started stealing her cigarettes. By the time I was 12 years old, I was smoking. And by the time I was 13, I was drinking. And who knows, I may have gone that path anyway. But I always look back at that time and think that maybe it was my mother who planted the seed in my head. That, you know what, if you want to be a real person, you need to start drinking and smoking. After a while, the drinking started to feel really, really good. While I just got used to cigarettes, it never made me sick anymore. Insanity. Not always my fault. Sometimes I did not have a part in it. It's one of the few times where, in theory, I was a victim. I really, at eight years old, you're really not aware of making smart decisions that will shape your life for your future. (laughs) You're just doing what your parents ask you to do, and you want to please your parents. You want to be a good kid. And I believe it was always there. It was bound to happen no matter what. At eight years old, maybe, uh, you know, it was a trigger for the future. You know, some people I even ask you, well, do you think that was it? That she planted the seed? It's like, well, I think the seed was already there. It didn't take much to make it sprout. And that was inevitable. You know, I I know for a fact that that was always going to be my path. Maybe at eight years old, who knows? I don't know. She is not to blame. She was just part of the equation. I look back at that story and I laugh, you know, because I think it's just so like, oh my gosh, you know, Um, you know, my mother's giving me booze and cigarettes at eight years old, thinking that she's being a good parent and steering me away from theoretically, drugs and alcohol and cigarettes. So her mind wasn't quite right either, because I know she had a lizard brain too. I look at that as a very important part of the process. And I look at the back of that story, and I actually love that story. Uh, just It's just so 
out of this world. And I, I don't believe it was done out of, you know, she was malicious. She really did think that she was trying to help me. It's just a little distorted. The takeaway is I look back at that and I can learn so much from that. It became a very important part of my recovery. You know, my mother would continue to play a part in my disease through the years. But that first time, it just became a starting point for me to start working on me. And that is all part of the Insanity Project. Thank you for listening. I can be found at theinsanityproject.com. As always, please subscribe, rate, and review. I would really like to know what you think of the show. And who knows, the review you write may help someone just like you. 